the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. It was back last October, I believe it was. We are going to hold a tent service off at this college town, and we got there about dinner time on Saturday. And uh, different ones of us thought that we ought to get us a mouthful to eat before that we set up the tent. And so we got off of the truck and followed this little bunch of people through this small little bitty patch of woods there. And we come up on a big sign. It says, get something to eat here. And uh, I went up and got me two hot dogs and a big orange drink. And before that I could take every mouthful of that food, this whole raft of people come up around me and got me to where I couldn't eat nothing up like and I dropped my big orange drink. I did. Well, friends, they commenced to move, and they want so much that I could do but move with them. Well, we commenced to go through all kinds of doors and gates, and I don't know what all, and I looked up over one of them, and it says North Gate. And we kept on going through there, and pretty soon we come up on a young boy, and he says, Ticket, please. And I says, friend, I don't have a ticket. I don't even know where it is that I'm going. <laughs> I did. Well, he says, come out as quick as you can. <laughs> and I says, I'll do her. I'll turn right around the first chance I get. <laughs> well, we kept on a moving through there. And pretty soon, everybody got where it was that they was a going. Because they parted, and I could see pretty good. I, I, I could. <laughs> And what I seen was this whole raft of people a-setting on these two banks and a-looking at one another across this pretty little green cow pasture. <laughs> well, they was. And somebody had tuck and drove white lines all over it and drove posties in it and I don't know what all. And I looked down there and I seen five or six convicts a-running up and down and a-blowing whistles. They was. And then I looked down there and I seen these pretty girls are wearing these little bitty short dresses and a dancing around. And so I sat down and thought I'd see what it was that was gonna happen. I did. And about the time I got set down good, I looked down there and I seen 30 or 40 men come running out of one end of a great big outhouse down there. <laughs> they did. And everybody where I was a-sitting got up and hollered. And about that time, 30 or 40 come running out of the other end of that outhouse and the other bank full, they got up and hollered. 
And I asked this fellow that was besetting beside of me, I says, friend, what is it that they're hollering for? Well, he whopped me on the back and he says, buddy, have a drink. <laughs> well, I says, I believe I will have another big orange. <laughs> and I got it and sat back down. And when I got down there again, I seen that them men had got in two little bitty bunches down there. They had rail close together and they voted. <laughs> they did. They voted and elected one man apiece. And them two men come out in the middle of that cow pasture and shook hands like they hadn't seen one another in a long time. And then a convict come over to where they was a standing and he took out a quarter and they come in to odd man right there. <laughs> they did. Well, after a while, I seen what it was that there's odd man in for. It was that both bunches full of them men wanted this funny looking little pumpkin to play with. They did, and I know, friends, that they couldn't eat it because they kicked it the whole evening and it never busted. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, what I was telling was that both bunches full wanted that thing, and one bunch got it, and it made the other bunch just as mad as they could be, and friends, I seen that evening the awfulest fight that I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. I did. They would run at one another and kick one another and throw one another down and stomp on one another and grind their feet in one another and I don't know what all and just as fast as one of them would get hurt they'd tote him off and run another one. <laughs> well, they'd done that as long as I sat there. But pretty soon this boy that had said, ticket please, he come up to me and he says, friends, you're going to have to leave because it is that you don't have a ticket. And I says, well, all right. And I got up and left. And I don't know, friends, to this day what it was that there's a doing down there, but I have studied about it. And I think that it's some kindly of a contest where they see which bunch full of them men can take that pumpkin and run from one end of that cow pasture to the other without either getting knocked down or stepping in something. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, for over a decade, Rebecca Fidua uh, was uh, executive director of the Flint River Watershed Coalition. She's th- and she's uh, been on the show many, many times talking about the Flint River and the Watershed Coalition and the work they do in various promotions and fundraising events and so on. Um, But uh, she stepped down from that position back in November, and this week a new executive director has taken the helm. His name is Patrick Scanlon. He joins me by phone. Hi, Pat. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess you're going to be the the voice of the Flint River. Uh, it's a whole lot to, to sum up and to, to represent in, in one voice, but I'm really excited and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, there are some new things that are already on the drawing board, and I want to talk about a couple of those. But but first, let's talk a little bit about you, Pat. Um, where have you been um, before taking this post? Well, uh, I was born in Flint and raised in Flushing, and growing up, um, I was one of those kids that just, you know, loved playing with bugs, and I think that was my first kind of introduction to the natural world and all things kind of associated with um, life of the watershed, and as I grew up, I really never stopped uh, caring for, you know, looking for those bugs. I always found great joy in it and went on to uh, graduate from Flushing High School and then went on to uh, U of M Flint and uh, achieved a Bachelor's of Science in um, Wildlife Biology and my time there I worked with the, um, I had taken the limnology class which is the study of freshwater systems and uh, helped teach it the next time it was uh, offered there and just kind of always had some part of my life revolving around the watershed in some way. And so I, after I graduated, um, moved into an apartment right in Flushing on the river and looked at the river almost every single day and realized, you know, I, I've been in the river. I've been around the river. I've never actually kayaked the river. And this was back in, I think 2005 and, um, I went to the store and I found these uh, really cheap. They were inflatable canoes and uh, they were 90% off. So I figured, you know, hey, what the heck, let's try it out. And I feel like at the time, not a lot of people had uh, kayaked or recreationally enjoyed the river other than maybe some fishing. And so I remember the first time out, we inflated these news and we get to the river and it was like I had stepped into another world that had been right beside me the whole time and I was just blown away by just that overall feeling of you know when you're in these these uh watercraft you know the the water pushing back on you and you're realizing that you are at the mercy of the river you are not necessarily in control there and all of the wildlife all around it. And again, you know, I had studied this stuff, you know, looked at it in classes and read about it in books, but once you're actually out there in it and seeing it all around you, it just completely changed the way I look at everything. And, you know, um, 
in uh, the quote that was released with the statement of me coming in the executive director, there was uh, a part of it that says, you know, uh, uh, Patrick Scanlon feels that the Flint River is his home, and you know, he lives in the river, and, <laughs> and then live in the actual river, but um, I absolutely feel at home when I am in the river. And so, uh, not too long ago, back in 2019, I had started a position with the Genesee Conservation District. I was working as a SISMA coordinator, which um, not a lot of people know that word, and that's fine. Some people accuse me of making it up, and I say... Well, if you think about it, all words have been made up at some point. But the SISMAs <laughs> are the uh, Cooperative Invasive Species Management Areas, and it's a wonderful program. There's 22 of us over the whole state of Michigan, and we help out with invasive species-related um, education, outreach, technical assistance, everything. So over the last three years prior to this, I have had the great pleasure of working with the Conservation District and helping people with invasive species, a lot of which are in aquatic systems, including the Flint River. So, yeah, let's let's talk about that for just a minute because I think most people, the only time they hear about invasive species, we hear about it occasionally in news reports from Florida, and of course, there's been the ongoing battle in the Great Lakes over Asian carp. Um, but what kinds of invasive species are likely to come up more locally to the to the Flint River watershed, and and where are they coming from? How do they how are they getting into the the ecosystem there? There are a lot of things. A lot of these invasive species have been here for a long time. Um, some of them are kind of newly arriving. Uh, I know there's you know. Curly pondweed, it's a very common one. It's very widespread throughout the watershed right now. And unfortunately, it seems that there's not a whole lot we can do, at least on the smaller local level, about it right now. Um, one of the bigger things that I have been dealing with is serving for um, two plants. One is Japanese knotweed, which if in the last three years of my position, if I could tell people about two species that, hey, if you have it in your yard, take care of it now because they're very problematic. It's Phragmites, which is a very invasive grass that grows along a lot of uh, ditches, wet areas, um, real big feathery stuff, real problematic, uh, has very strong negative impacts on aquatic wildlife. It can uh, really mess up some of our turtles because they can't really navigate it through, through it so well. But, uh, yeah, Japanese knotweed is one that is spreading kind of down and through the river. And this is a crazy plant. It's one of the only plants I've seen in all of my biological experience where you can throw everything you have at it, and it'll still come back. You can try and dig it out. You can try and burn it. You can spray it with herbicide. You can cut it down. You can pave over it with five inches of blacktop, and it'll still grow through it. It'll still come back. And it is spreading down the river. And this is something that actually kind of brought me to my position here in an odd way. It's this plant that I've battled, but... More about the Flint River Watershed Coalition with the new executive director, Patrick Scanlon. Straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom general stuff listen I have a legal question what is it mom I just got a call from the water company apparently your father has not been paying the bill I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than a thousand dollars now can you believe it actually I can't so listen we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about the Flint River Watershed Coalition with the new Executive Director, Patrick Scanlon. Straight ahead. How does that negatively impact the uh, the ecosystem? Does it crowd out other necessary plants? Is it uh, poisonous to wildlife? What's what's its negative impact? So uh, all invasive species in general, you know, the the kind of definition of is, is it's not native. So it's a species, and this can be a, a bug, a plant, uh, a fungus, uh, all sorts of stuff that's not native. And then they cause harm either to the economy, the environment, or to us humans. And so with Japanese knotweed, they have strong potential to spread very easily. Uh, and they are allelopathic, which is a fancy term that just means chemical warfare in the soil. They're really good at staking their own claim on the ground and not allowing anything else to grow around it. And sometimes this can aid in soil erosion which is also not good for the river. And since they are so pervasive in their invasiveness, they can actually wiggle in the cracks of the foundations of of buildings, homes, other infrastructure, and they can push them apart. Uh, It can ruin the foundation of a home if even there's just a few cracks to start out with. And by displacing so much vegetation, so much of our native stuff, you're you're limiting what's available for the rest of the ecosystem. And with fewer things, for fewer plants, you have fewer bugs. Fewer bugs, you have fewer birds. And it just travels up the food chain. Other than that, no, it's not poisonous. Um, nothing really seems to want to eat it. But we can eat it. I've eaten it myself. It tastes kind of like a uh, weird mix between asparagus and rhubarb. It's, it's really not bad. I was going to hang up if you said it tasted like chicken. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. There are other invasive species, though, that I would say might taste like chicken. <laughs> um, Pat, what what exactly is the Flint River watershed, and and how, how does it fit into our, our ecosystem geographically and, and uh, ecologically? So the, the whole watershed, you know, it spans many counties. It starts, you know, all the way up uh, Columbiaville, basically out in the pier. And it's over 70 miles long and drains over 1,300 square miles of land. It, it is absolutely huge. And it travels, you know, through the city of the pier, through Flint, uh, right here through Flushing. It's right in my backyard right now as we speak. And it carries on, you know, kind of into the Chiawassee National Wildlife Refuge, and then from there kind of teams up with the Titabwassee into the Saginaw, and then all the way on out to the bay. And I really think that we often overlook and fail to appreciate just how amazing that that is. I mean, this river is it, it just... Pat, is it made up primarily of the Flint River and its banks? for the length of it? Oh, you have just a whole myriad of, of creeks and okay. other. Uh, so, I mean, it's when you think about it, you know, the whole water cycle, you know, you start with the rain, or in this case right now, this time you're the snow, and once it, smelt, once it melts, it'll make its way down into, that might be a, a storm drain or a ditch or just running off of, 
a parking lot. And then, you know, we have all of this infrastructure set up just to guide all of the unwanted water that we get to the river. And so once it gets into the river through these, from all these streams and creeks and, and other inlets, it then goes on down and away from us. And I think we fail to appreciate just how amazing and useful that is and how incredibly important it has been to the, the culture and the history of this area. Well, my guest is Patrick Scanlon. He is the new executive director of the Flint River Watershed Coalition, uh, wrapping up his uh, his first week on the job. So I'm putting him a little bit on the spot by digging down deep with him uh, already. But part of this is getting to know him and uh, continuing to become more familiar with the Flint River Watershed. When we say Flint River Watershed Coalition, Pat, um, what makes up the coalition part? So the coalition is, and, uh, you know, this is kind of similar to what I was talking about with the SISMA, you know, the cooperative. So this coalition, it's a large group of people. It's, you know, that could be, you know, businesses, organizations. It could be just individuals. And really, it is this idea of, no, there's nobody in this area that, Either they fail to impact the river or the river doesn't impact them. We are all bound to this in some way. And so this coalition, we're trying to reach out to everybody and say, hey, there's this resource, this amazing natural resource here. I mean, it is a a national water trail now, and that is huge, you know. Uh, So the the state, the country, it's, it's looked at this area and said, wow, this is amazing we need to enjoy this and so it is our job as the coalition collectively this large group of people uh to look at it and figure out what we can do to help what what can we do to educate uh the public on it you know whether that's young children or even adults and what can we do to further engage folks to let them know what they can do to help protect it or how they can get involved to help or, Pat, is well, it um, how is it organized? Is it a quasi-governmental uh, unit like like a downtown development authority, for example? Well, we are a big nonprofit. You know, we uh, are just a, a big group of just really enthusiastic people. I mean, there's but is a it lot. autonomous, or do you belong to a, a federation of similar groups around the state and the country? Uh, we are autonomous, but we do work with a lot of other groups. You know, uh, I think that any group like this, you know, you're you're never fully autonomous. You uh, you always work with other groups and organizations. Well, everybody answers to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pat, you were starting to talk a little bit about the work of the organization, and I want to make sure that we let people know the kinds of things that are going on. This isn't just a fundraising PR awareness group, but there's some some real functional programs that go on. There are some fun things, too, like, you know, canoeing and kayaking and so on and, and uh, some special events that go on in and around the river. But um, but there's testing that goes on and monitoring and, and other things. Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the things that we do are varied a lot. And that's no surprise probably because when talking about the river, there are many aspects of it. You know, it's, it's not just a bunch of water going down uh, a deep rift heading out to the bay. It's, it, there's a lot connected to it. And, of course, the, the history of the river, the human impacts have been pretty intense at point. Uh, and so, like, even when I had started that my first initial canoeing trip onto the river, you know, some people I could see, they looked at me like, you're going to get in that river? Said, yeah. <laughs> but so one of the big things, and this is my personal favorite because this is how I originally got involved. And, and it goes back to, you know, me saying I never really got sick of catching bugs. I really still enjoy that quite a bit. Um, I was working with the benthic invertebrate monitoring team. And the whole idea of that is, you know, through various parts of the watershed, you go out, you spend some time, you know, there's some fairly rigorous standards to it. So, you know, it's not just a bunch of people catching bugs in the water, but we try and uh, apply some science to a very diverse group of uh, data as best we can. And we take the bugs that we find and we identify them to a certain level and they're assigned a, a certain quality score. And then you plug that into this uh, equation, basically, and you get a number, and it kind of gives you an idea of how healthy or what the quality looks like at that point in the river. So it's kind of like the canary in the coal mine, but you've got a bunch of different kinds of canaries, and they're all living in the water. And based on how many of what you have, it can tell you what the overall health kind of looks like at that point in that area. Well, so and that involves I've, bugs and plants and uh, birds and, and other kinds of wildlife, too. Oh, yeah, but primarily with that, we focus on the bugs, the little kind of cool wriggling things in there. And so it's it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, that's my favorite part. And <laughs> You're a bug that, guy. You're a bug, a bug guy, bug. Pat. <clears throat> and, but, you know, the kids love it. That's have, fun. And so many kids just once it and it's like that same look on my face that I had when I was a kid looking into the pond behind my house or in the ditch and seeing these bugs and it's like holy cow look at there's a whole world in here and so I love sharing that with people but beyond that you know yeah we we try and reach as many people as we can on many different levels you know our environmental education um you know, I've worked with it in my position before this, so I've, I've participated in it and seen it firsthand. Absolutely amazing. Uh, trying to reach, you know, as many kids in the watershed as we can because the message that we have is just so important. And well, you seems- mentioned you mentioned the human impact on the river, and of course, I've I'm I'm getting a little long in the tooth, and I remember the days when. There were lots of uh, General Motors plants in Flint, and they were um, located, by and large, on the river. And there was a lot of waste that got poured into the river, and that's that's where some of that that you're not going in there attitude comes from. The idea that, that you know that it was so polluted that you know just just breathing. 
<laughs> the air near the river could be harmful to you. But um, a lot of people have put in a lot of time over the last several decades to clean up after some of that mess. And, and so the question in, in most people's minds, especially after the bad rap that the Flint River got um, during the, the various breakdowns in, in using it for uh, a municipal water source recently, the, the so-called, or not so-called, but the uh, Flint River uh, or the Flint water crisis. A lot of people blame the river for that. But the question I think a lot of people would have is what kind of health is the river in these days? So when you look at it, you know that, you know, she has some scars. You know, she she has been through some rough times at the hands of, of us humans. And so there are still some parts of her that still show that. And, and I didn't and I don't want to dump it all on General Motors because we've had seepage from uh oh, yeah from agriculture and, and other things that have, you know, contributed negatively to the river. But the the plants, the auto plants, were such a big impact for uh, quite a long period of time. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, it's some of these businesses are just really big and loud and in one place and it's easy to to point you know like point source pollution and say here's the problem but you're right there are so many aspects of the human nature that has impacted it it could be over fertilizing your lawn it could be um using too much rock salt on your your sidewalk it could be uh, a whole lot of things if you're not taking care of your soil even soil erosion you know this is organic than material, even too much of that into the river can cause very huge problems. And so you're absolutely right. It is a, a very big picture sort of thing here. It's not just, hey, this this set of companies here dump stuff into the river that they shouldn't have. So the overall nature that it's in today, uh, personally, you know, having pulled out these bugs and looked at them firsthand and finding things, especially here in Flushing, you know, being downstream from a lot of where this activity occurred, I see things that only show up in higher quality areas. You know, these large uh, flying insects that look like you know, like a dinosaur insect straight out of the past, the Dobson flies, you know, it's one that, you know, my friends know me as the bug guy. So when they find a weird bug, they bring it to me and I go, hey, what the heck is <laughs> yeah. The Dobson flies, they're, they're one that I see a lot because you don't find them real often. But when you do, they are incredible. They're over three inches long sometimes, just big. And they're a, a, an indicator of, hey, it's doing pretty well here. And so, yeah, with other bugs as well, you see it firsthand. You, you go, hey, these wouldn't be living here if this was a really poor quality area. So having seen that, I trust it. Now, sure, you know, there may be some, you know, so-called chemical sort of demons lurking in bits of the soil, but I don't think there are many parts of our world that are not impacted by uh, human activity. So 
Is it absolutely perfect? No, but I think very few parts of our planet are. But when looking at what situation and condition it is in currently, it's amazing how much it has bounced back since not too long ago when we were dumping a lot of things in the river that maybe we shouldn't have been. Pat, where um, where is the Flint River Watershed Coalition headquartered? And did I read there's some changes going on there? There are some big changes. Now, you know, currently we are working um, with Kettering. We have a building there. But we are hoping to get into the uh, the old Serval Appliance Parts building over there on uh, Kersley Street. And I am incredibly excited to get into this. I've been into the building already. It's it's in it's a work in production. I mean, we're working on it. We're trying to get it, uh, you know, ship shape here, and it's going to be perfect for what we need. Uh, and we hope to, you know, have our kayaks there for the, the kayak Flint program. And, you know, the staff, uh, it would be nice to have our home there, basically, right on the river. Has the the pandemic um, interfered with some of the programming, like like the, the kayak rentals and, and people getting out and enjoying the river this last couple summers? So, I mean, I don't think any anybody or any organization really has been... Uh, totally devoid of impact from the pandemic. And so, you know, working from home or, you know, when holding events, you, you always have to be kind of aware of what is the right choice here? You know, is it, is it wise to, to meet in public? And so a lot of the programming has been switched to, you know, either virtual, you know, especially if you're holding educational programs and you're trying to reach children uh, doing it virtually, in a way, is easier. You can connect with a larger audience, but at the same time, I just don't think anything virtual is able to fully replace anything in person. And so I look forward to when things get, get back to, and I'm not going to say normal, but when things get <laughs> back to some sort of uh, more functional and kind of more similar to what we've been used to. But overall, yeah, it, it has absolutely impacted, but there are still a lot of people that have been getting out there. You know, uh, that's the great part about kayaking is your paddles kind of keep you socially distanced there. I mean, not only are you outdoors, but if you were within six foot of another person on a kayak, you might be getting hit in the head with your paddle. So <laughs> it's easy to stay up on the river, uh, and it's just it's a great place to be. It's a great place to kind of uh, forget about some of the, the concerns that are going on right now. And, and it's, I find it very therapeutic very healing to to be on the river is is there a uh, a timeline for headquartering headquartering uh, at the new location well this is this is only my third day tom as the executive director <laughs> a whole lot right now so uh i'm still wrapping my head around exactly what that timeline looks like but um i am real excited and we will definitely keep everyone posted via social media and press releases and other forms of communication to let everybody know um, when we'll be getting into our new building, when we'll be holding some of our other events. Um, it's going to be an exciting year for all of us, including myself. Uh, I have an amazing team of people that I'm directing here, and I am incredibly excited to see what we accomplish in the future years.
Well, as uh, you know, we've we've recently seen a uh, preponderance of uh, weather forecasting rodents, uh, <laughs> i.e., groundhogs, seeing their shadows. So it looks like six more weeks of winter. But um, as the weather breaks uh, in just a few weeks. Where can people go, Pat, to um, find out more about uh, the Watershed Coalition and and also some of the programs and like where to get kayaks and when people can kayak on the river and so on? Um, I'm I'm sure there's a website where um, that you'd like to share. Oh yeah, there's our our website. It's FlintRiver.org. Uh, you can find. A whole load of stuff on there. It's it's a lot of stuff. We have you know calendar of events. Uh, we have of course our membership. I strongly encourage everyone to become a member. It's a great group of people. Uh, lots of resources there, and you can find uh, you know a lot of our kayaking uh, events when they will be. There's a whole lot. I highly encourage everybody to go check it out. Again, that's FlintRiver.org, and if you're on social media you can check out our facebook page uh like that we post a lot of really cool stuff also letting people know what we're doing and what's going on well pat for this being your first week on the job i think you're already an excellent spokesperson for the flint river watershed coalition and uh, i wish you luck in the new job i hope you'll come back and talk to us from time to time and let us know what's going on with the health of uh, of the Flint River. And thanks for spending this time with me this morning. And keep up the good work. Hey, thank you so much, Tom. Thanks for having me this morning. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Patrick Scanlon. He is the uh, new, brand new, executive director of the Flint River Watershed Coalition. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not, is a major factor in dancing like a retard, may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them, also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people, and it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! 
from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. possibility you might want to know something that about me I used to be in a, I, I used I used to be a perfect professional football player I played tight end come and think of it I was as tight as stand in the whole league of course, I don't play in any any sp- sports anymore. But uh, I mean, uh, I quit that a long time ago. But I, I do everything I can to support all of the athletic events that come along. You know, in fact, in my hometown, I was known as the number one athletic supporter. <laughs> In France, they called me Jacques. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. football for Temple University, and it's the truth, see? Don't keep asking me, did you really play? Yes, I really played. At one time, I had a beautiful body. I weighed, uh, I weighed 192 pounds, and they made me a fullback. Now, before you start tuning up, let me get my story finished. <laughs> no, the truth of the matter is that uh, it didn't take much to play for t- Temple at the time that I was playing, because we had lost 27 games in a row. <laughs> And uh, we played against real weak teams. I mean, teams like uh, Muhlenberg, Lafayette, um, what's it, Gettysburg, yeah. Get, they all beat us. They all killed us. Especially Hofstra. Hofstra beat us 900 or nothing. <laughs> In their street clothes, man. They wiped us out. You know? Vassar wouldn't even play us. That's how bad we were, man. Get out of here. We don't even want you on our schedule. So, I want to give you some insight as to what goes on in the loser's locker room. We are going to play against Hofstra, which is a really terrible school. They killed us every year, boy. And when you play for a team like Temple, you got nothing to do except pace up and down in the locker room. And you say to yourself, boy, I sure do hope I don't get hurt. <laughs> I almost made a tackle last week. I must have been crazy out there. Something. Nobody else is trying out there. I don't know why I got to be the one all the time. I play on the second team, which is actually the nut squad. Now, these are guys that can play, but they're afraid. They don't want to go out there, so they do nutty things. Like they put the helmet on sideways, looking out through the ear hole. <laughs> guys got on scuba diving suits, snowshoe, and an ice skate, you know, walking around. <laughs> second team is very quiet, because they're going to go out, scared to death. That's what they are. Catholics on the squad always seem to have something special going, because they're over in the corner. Dominic. Father, please, Father, please, Father, please. I'm not Catholic. 
Catholic, but I figure if it works for him, yeah, me too, Father. He's a friend of mine. He told me how to do this. Here, please accept me. You know, we'll pace it up and down. First team's getting last right. And we're one. The coach is drawing trick plays on the blackboard because he has no personnel whatsoever, and he knows he's got to work with something that'll trick him. You know. All right, you guys, listen up. Uh, when they come out of the huddle, line up backwards. <laughs> and just let them run right over you and then we'll raise the flag and everything while you're singing the national anthem, all right? We'll get pity somewhere, I'll tell you that. Then comes the athletic director, says, I'd like to talk to the boys. What? I'd like to talk to the boys. Okay. May I have your attention, please, fellas? This is uh, the athletic director, Mr. Ernie Cassell. It's the man that's responsible for giving most of you the scholarships. <laughs> He'd like to talk to you, Mr. Cassell. Thank you very much, Coach Macris. Well, boys, here we are again. We're going out to have another fine football game. Gonna go out and play against Hofstra, because you already know that. You know, they beat us last year 900 to nothing. The year before that, they beat us 900 to nothing. I was over in their locker room, had a chance to look at some of their players, and Christ said, bigger than they were last year. <laughs> yes, yes, I know, I know. Fellas, I looked out in the stands, we only have 12 people out there. And this is homecoming. Just want to say a few words to you. This is our first game on television. We want to keep this television contract going because this is the only way we can make some money to buy a little scuba diving suits and uh, snowshoes and ice skates for all the weird old squads here. So we're going to say to you, please, remember that you're on TV. By that I mean don't worry about winning the game as much as we want you to be concerned with the fact that while you're out there on the field, we're going to ask you, please, do not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on the football field. Because if you're out there digging and scratching, people at home are going to turn you right off and we're going to lose the contract. So please do not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on the field. Now we're going to pass out these affidavits and ask you to sign them saying that you will not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on a the football field, all right? So we signed them and we went out, you know, and I'm with the second team. And <laughs> First team's got the ninth time for last right. Hofstra came out of the locker room. I had never seen guys so big before in my life. They had just brought 11 guys with them. Smallest guy on the squad was 6'1", 490 pounds. He was a halfback. Ran 109 had long teeth hanging out of his mouth. Every one of them just had one eye in the center of the forehead. The coach was beating them out onto the field with a ball and chain, hitting them smack in the back of the head. Get out of there! Go on, Igor! What's good, Igor? First team said, oh God, don't look at him. If you don't look at him, you won't get scared. Second team went crazy. Guys are ripping their clothes off. I can't play naked! Kicker comes up, grabs the ball, it looks like a vitamin pill in his hand, puts it down, 
hot in the world. They come running down the field, and the first thing to throw some meat at them. Maybe they'll eat that. Guys, still standing. Oh. Women gentlemen, out cold on the ground. So try to get the nut squad naked or not, get out there. <laughs> We're carrying them off, and as we're carrying them off, I swear I heard one temple guy on the ground say, Can we get up now? No, you move, I'll punch you right in the mouth. So help me, get out of here. We carry them off, ready to coach. All right, get out there, second team, let's go. <laughs> we got a quarterback that's 2 1. All right, run the kamikaze play on one. All right, kamikaze. Cosby up the middle, the whole team off the field. Break! We break out of the huddle, the quarterback goes up to shift. One, two, ping, gives me the ball. I take one step and I look, and there's a hole. And I had never seen a hole. Playing for Temple. And I said, God, a hole. Turn to the people in the stand. Look at this, a hole! You see this? Did you can't hurry up, run! I said, wait a minute, it may be a mirage. <laughs> you can't tell. I said, well, I better get moving. I'll never forget it. It was a big hole with a defensive man on the ground. I planted one foot, stepped over him. When I did, he stood up and hit me. <laughs> and the pain was tremendous. And I threw down the ball, and I said, oh. I've been hit in the... You'd better not touch. And here is everybody's while you're on the football here. So I grabbed my head. And I said, oh, yes, what's the matter? I said, I can't take nothing until they bring a commercial on, all right? This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
listening to Tom Sumner 